This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary with a California perspective, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 15, Episode 5, Woke, Inc., Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam, by Vivek Ramaswamy. Talking with Justin Danhoff of Strive Asset Management. Our focus today will be the politicization of corporate America and why it's bad for the U.S. economy and society at large. Entrepreneur and thought leader Vivek Ramaswamy makes the case that politics has no place in business and sets out a new vision for the future of American capitalism. In his book, Woke Inc., he identifies a new corporate philosophy that affects every American, stakeholder capitalism. He argues that stakeholder capitalism promises a better, more diverse, environmentally friendly world. But this ideology, which has gained traction in corporate boardrooms and Washington, D.C., robs us of our money, our voice, and our identity by mixing morality with consumerism. Justin Danhoff is head of corporate governance at Strive Asset Management and joins us today from his office in Columbus, Ohio. Good morning, Justin, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Jim. I really appreciate the opportunity. Justin, Woke Inc. has soared to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Who is Vivek Ramaswamy? Well, it's hard to encapsulate Vivek in a few short sentences, but I I suppose I'll I'll try. He's a first-generation Indian-American, grew up in the heartland in, in the state of Ohio, is has an incredibly creative um, and innovative mind. He went to Harvard undergrad and wanted to be a scientist, so he studied you know biochemistry and, and things like that. Uh, but then after Harvard, took that knowledge and went into the hedge fund world and became a, a partner in his young, you know young twenties at a hedge fund, but was focused on you know in the scientific in the in the bio um, sphere uh, arena in the hedge fund areas, and so. This is where his story gets very interesting. You know, while he's a partner of a hedge fund, he gets into Yale Law School. Mm-hmm. And of course, most people would say, well, you know, thank you, hedge fund managers. We'll see you later. I'm just going to go spend three years getting my law degree. Not Vivek. He's decided, wait, why don't I just do both? <laughs> and so, you know, where some people have, you know, problems picking out socks in the morning and get the, and get the two socks wrong, Vivek decided to manage, you know, a hedge fund and Yale Law School, the most difficult law school, arguably, in America, at the same exact time. So that speaks to his intellectual prowess. Um, But more than his intellectual prowess, I I, I think that Vivek can be described as a serial entrepreneur, um, a very creative mind that's always looking for different solutions to major problems that other people haven't seen. And that's kind of, you know, Vivek in a nutshell. Very good. Well, listen... Let's first jump into the book, and then after we review the book, I'd like you to tell us about Strive Asset Management, where you're the head of corporate governance and Vivek is the chairman. So let's start first with Woke Inc. It's a 370-page book. It's a New York Times bestseller. There are obviously, in the short time that we have available to us this morning, we can't do a do full justice to reviewing it but let's hit some of the side some of the essential points of the book and of his philosophy do you want to take it from there justin 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, first of all, yes, highly recommend the book. We're not going to do it justice in this podcast. We can give you a, a little bit of flavor. So, you know, I highly recommend that folks, you know, get get the book and really take a deep dive into it. But, you know, Vivek, as an innovator, started many businesses and he, you know, he saw this evolution of wokeness uh, that, that goes under lots of banners, right? It goes under the banner of stakeholder capitalism. It goes under the banner of ESG, that's environment, social, and corporate governance. So what he does in the book is he goes through some of the, the major players and really, you know, that, that are involved in this. So we're talking about large asset managers who are upstream of American businesses who often, you know, have their, you know, the, the, they put their stakeholder vision of capitalism onto the downstream, you know, S&P 500 companies. But... You know, the S&P 500 companies and the like, they have their own virtue signaling events, you know, the, the, the big donations to Black Lives Matter and all of that. And so Vivek really identifies the key players and the cynicism behind what they're doing, mm -hmm. because they're they're using this false virtue, this false morality and really kind of made this bargain with the Occupy Wall Street folks. It's kind of like behind the scenes bargain that he really flushes out well so that they can keep being capitalists while virtue signaling to, you know, Americans all along the way. But unlike a lot of commentators, um, what Vivek does towards the end of the book is what I, I appreciate the most, and I think your audience will as well, is he gives solutions, mm -hmm. right? Where like a, a, a lot of, you know, critics will take a look and they'll just focus on the, the cynical nature of the you know BlackRock CEO, Larry Fink, and his vision of stakeholder capitalism and how he profits off of that while putting the onus on downstream corporations. There's a lot of, there, and there's good reason to focus on that. Mm -hmm. But we can find a, there's a, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel in Vivek's book, and that is having companies turn back to this idea of creating excellent products and services yes. and ignoring all of the externalities because that's largely what you can, stakeholder capitalism, ESG, whatever you, you want to call it, it can definitely be defined as an externality that's a distraction that corporate leaders are distracted by these three-letter acronyms and they take away from the core products and services that these companies were founded to do. And so Vivek, you know, switches towards the end and says, this is how we can we can get back. And it's a really promising message because if you think about our body politic right now, it's such a fractured body politic mm -hmm. on like every single issue just has to be a fight, fight, fight. And I think Americans are getting sick of it. And so there's a very positive message that I, I think your listeners will, will really enjoy if they dig into the book. Justin, can you define stakeholder capitalism for us? I think we all know traditional capitalism and the primacy of the shareholder. Define stakeholder capitalism for us and how it differs from our traditional concept of capitalism. Sure. So the, the, the shareholder primacy model is, you know, the one that you, you everybody studied in school and in business school um, that, that we all, you know, Milton Friedman version that we all know well. But stakeholder capitalism has actually been around for quite some time. It was heavily debated in academic circles back into the 70s. But for today's purposes, let's let the business roundtable do the defining for us. OK, so in 2019, a lot of folks may have missed this, but the business roundtable actually changed their statement of a purpose of a corporation. 
where it was shareholder primacy for the longest time, they said no longer. We now believe in stakeholder capitalism. And what did they define it as? Of course, the environment, social causes, and then the, the traditional, you know, our employees, our customer base, you know, the, the communities where we work. And so it was very interesting that they redefined the statement of a purpose of a corporation to say that the stakeholder model and all of these, you know, a laundry list of stakeholders that they claim to care about, you know, with a you know, subset of comma, subset of comma, subset of comma. Comically, Jim, comically, the last comma was then the shareholders. Mm-hmm. So they listed every other stakeholder <laughs> first and put shareholders dead last. And that was not by accident. And so how do how do I look at that? How should an outside observer look at that statement? Well, what is responsibility to, to everybody if it's not responsibility to nobody? Mm-hmm. Right. And so what these CEOs did was set up a paradigm whereby on any given issue on any given day, they can take an action that a certain stakeholder would approve of. Mm -hmm. And they can say, we're just doing what our stakeholders want us to do. And it should come as no surprise that when it's Larry Fink at BlackRock or Brian Moynihan at Bank of America or Ed Bastian at Delta, these actions almost always align with their personal Davos, Wall Street-led worldview and the stakeholder they pick out happens to believe in that as well. Uh-huh. And so that's exactly what they use it for as a defense mechanism for any politicized action that they're taking. Again, whether it's an E action, an S action or a G action that they're taking because they can point to a stakeholder contingency. Right. Say, yeah, it's not it's not, you know, me, Larry Fink. We're just doing what our stakeholders want. And so it's yeah, it's this built-in mechanism that it, it, it lets them get away with politicized action as a business leader. Let me just quote Vivek from page 125 of Woke Inc. on this subject, and I quote, Institutional investors should stop playing this game of shuffling money around and rewarding companies that they like and punishing ones they dislike based on factors that have nothing, I repeat, nothing to do with commercial value. CEOs should stop playing the same game on the other side by making hollow proclamations that have nothing to do with their companies. If you want to improve the world through your business, there's a better way. Make a great product that you believe in. Unquote. And that's from Vivek Ramaswamy, the man himself. Justin? I mean, look, he hits hits the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. And and I think that a lot of what the book does is speaks truth to lies. It basically uncovers the smoke screen that a lot of stakeholder capitalism really is. It's, it's very much a false morality and it's very much a distraction. And I think that one of the positive byproducts, if there can be any, of the crushing macroeconomic effects that we have in, 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 in the American economy today is that folks are sort of beginning to see ESG for what it is. They're, they're, they're beginning to see stakeholder capitalism for what it is. Mm-hmm. And some businesses are starting to recognize this problem as well. You may have seen a couple of weeks ago, Netflix actually put out a, a, a bold statement, I thought, um, you know, coming from an entertainment company specifically, 
saying to its very, you know, woke employees, look, you may have to work on projects that you don't feel comfortable with. And you're just going to have to live with that or you can find another job. Because, of course, we know a lot of, you know, (laughs) entertainment company employees have been very, very vocal on things like, you know, Dave Chappelle's stand up skits, for example, where they say he's being anti trans or anti this or anti that. And they're protesting their own companies. Well, when we were in a 15 year bull market and everyone was getting fat, a lot of companies, you know, bent and listened to those types of squeaky wheel employees. Well, Netflix, you know, since they had their first quarterly drop in, you know, users ever, ever, they put out that statement saying, look, I, I don't think that this is just because, look, a company is just like a family. And right now, when we go to the grocery store and we have sticker shock, we go to the gas station, we have sticker shock, mom and dad have to sit down at the table and say, all right, these are where we need to cut things out. Businesses are the same exact way. <laughs> and so as this economy is, you know, just have hyperinflation sticker shock for companies as well, just like families, I think some of the companies are making the decision to say some of these externalities of ESG, like let's say flying in Robin D'Angelo, the author of White Fragility, to yell at all of our employees by calling them oppressor and oppressed and give her a few hundred thousand dollars to do so. Maybe instead of doing that, we should just build the next best piece of content so we can compete with, you know, Paramount Plus and Disney Plus and all of our new competitors in this space. And so my guess is that's where, you know, the motivation Uh, for Netflix's letter came from. You know, uh, one of my pet peeves, Justin, and Vivek hits on it in Chapter 8, and he talks about when dictators become stakeholders. And he cites two dictators, President Xi of China and Saudi Crown Prince MBS, specifically with President Xi and the Communist Party of China, you cannot find an American CEO who will even give mild criticism to anything to do with China for fear of retribution, for fear of punishment, for being for fear of being closed out of what they perceive to be a highly lucrative Chinese market. They won't say anything about Uyghurs. They won't say anything about enforced labor camps. They just, COVID, of course, they wouldn't speak about that, the origins of COVID. Yet, those same CEOs are the first ones in the queue to criticize social issues in the United States, real or perceived. The hypocrisy of that double standard irks me. And I'm glad that Vivek has highlighted it here, and I hope that more readers and more of the American public, when they're listening to these CEOs babble on about whatever their issue du jour is, remember that for the most part, they're critical of the U.S., of the U.S. consumer, but they will say nothing about lucrative markets like China or Saudi Arabia. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean... Like let's let's stick let, let's go to Disney on this topic because wow I mean Bob Chapek and Bob Iger before him you know the the CEO of Disney I mean his his hypocrisy on this issue of human rights um, geographically being different is is so stunning it's it's I, I'm impressed by it to be honest like it's just <laughs> breathtaking be, like it should be stuck like. His brain should be studied by scientists for years to come, <laughs> how you can hold these competing thoughts in your mind at the same time. So 
One one very specific example. Um, Disney filmed Mulan, the live action Mulan, in the actual province where the minority Muslim Uyghur population is being enslaved, where there is forced sterilization of Uyghur women happening in real time so that their bloodlines can be snuck out by the CCP. And yet, not only do they not say anything about that human rights atrocity, they thanked the act, the CCP itself and the actual guards who are enslaving the Uyghur Muslims in the credits of live action Mulan. Mm. They thanked them for the privilege of filming in that location. So it's it, 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 it's beyond hypocrisy to levels that are, again, they're, they're astounding and impressive. And why is this? Like, th- th- there's, a, there's a couple reasons for it. As you know, the, you know, the Chinese market is lucrative for these companies. But sure. it has to be noted, there, there's a couple things to note here. First of all, the largest shareholders of these entertainment companies, so, you know, it's not just Disney, you know, it, 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 it's Viacom, it's Paramount, it's CBS. They're all, they're all silent on these issues. You know, it's the NBA, right, and LeBron James, same thing. Mm-hmm. But the shareholders, the largest shareholders in Disney, don't say anything about it either. Why? Well, because it's BlackRock, it's State Street, and Vanguard. And BlackRock specifically, they made such lucrative deals. I'd like to know, you know, what exchanged hands to make this happen. But they are the first company to have a right to be an asset manager in mainland China. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so they're not going to tell Disney to, hey, you know, knock off this hip- you know, hypocritical language. So that's the first thing to notice. Their largest shareholders are on board with the hypocrisy. They're, 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 they're in it just as deep. The second thing to note is just what's so sad about it. Because not only are they staying silent on the human rights violations in China, but by claiming that the U.S. is a systematically racist country that has plenty of our own human rights abuses to this day, well, when... Folks complain to like the UN and other you know international bodies about the human rights violations in China. China can point to American yes. CEOs mm-hmm. and say, "Well, the U.S. is no better than us because, according to you know Tim Cook at Apple and Bob Chapek of Disney, police just run around killing black and brown Americans at will. That that, that they're full of human rights and violations in the United States, mm-hmm. and so we're giving air cover." to the ccp like it, so it's worse than hypocrisy it's air cover and that's that's just it, it, it's galling and sorry for i get, I get a little passionate <laughs> on this issue well it's just, and it's just so galling as 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 well you should as well you should let's move on to strive asset management and you said in your opening remarks that vivek in contrast to a lot of other people who are critical of corporate america he actually prescribes some recommendations and those recommendations are essentially summed up in three words excellence opportunity and civility and he's come up with five principles which are outlined in the book on page 270 those five principles all embody excellence opportunity and civility and of course let's move on to strive asset management which is going to be an example of excellence in capitalism and these these five new principles talk to me about strive asset management and how you are going to change the world 
of asset management and eventually take on the Black Rocks and the Vanguards and the other big boys of asset management. We have what we, you know, we would consider, you know, a very, a very big hill to climb in that, you know, we, we do plan to compete with BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. We are laser focused on excellence capitalism. And we think that one of the big problems with the, you know, corporate America these days is that CEOs are, and boards of directors are very often off mission. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sticking with Disney, for example, they got heavily involved in the uh, Florida parental rights legislation. Now, I'm going to guess when Walt Disney founded the company that the mission of Disney was to be the best darn entertainment company in the world, mm-hmm. not to be a political actor on social issues in the state of Florida. Which I have which, which have not which have nothing to do with its corporate mission. Exactly. And so what have again the, the largest shareholders in Disney said when they when they did this and over sixty percent of the customer base said we oppose what Disney's doing. What did BlackRock State Street and Vanguard say to them? Nothing that we can see publicly. We would have a very simple message to them. Knock it off. Get back on mission. Like it's 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 that simple that these externalities that take you away from your, your mission, they're they take away your time, your talent, your efforts and your, your focus. And so that that that's our core message to businesses get back on mission. And so what is Strive really setting out to do? Well, it, it's two things. We want to solve what we see as a fiduciary gap. And I'll get into that in a moment. And what we want to solve for the problem of the separation of ownership and ownership. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with the, the, the latter here. So the last century had a business problem that needed solving, and that was the separation of ownership and control, mm-hmm. right? So the owners of companies are the shareholders, but they don't control the company. That's management and the board of directors. Right. And so the common law built up to a solution to solve that problem. It's called a fiduciary duty that says quite literally in the biblical sense, managers and directors have to be proper stewards of the shareholders capital or they have legal liability. They also have a, you know, so they have a fiduciary duty and they have a duty of loyalty. Those both, you know, very ingrained into our common law these days to solve for that separation of ownership and control. That was last century's problem. This century with the, the, the rise of passive investing we have a problem of a separation of ownership and ownership. What do I mean by that? Well, the everyday American, the teacher, the firefighter, the police officer, they have money that's invested in a pension fund. Mm -hmm. Their pension fund manager then takes that money and invests in a large asset manager such as BlackRock, State Street, or Vanguard. They then use that money with their voice and their vote to act in ways that when the end user of that capital is made aware of it, they very often oppose it. And so, you know, for example, I'll give a, give a great concrete example on this. Last year at the ExxonMobil shareholder meeting held on May 26th, 2021, three climate change dissidents were appointed to ExxonMobil's board of directors with the backing of BlackRock. Okay. Now, the state some state pensions in Texas 
voted along with BlackRock to put in those board, those board members. Mm-hmm. Now, do we think the end users, those firefighters and police officers in the state of Texas, want Exxon to mothball itself, as is the stated goal of these new directors? Yeah, I don't think so. Right. So there's a separation of ownership and ownership problem that, that you know, Strive is, is seeking to solve for because our goal and our mission is to be the voice and the restore the voice and the vote of everyday Americans in the corporate boardroom. Now, coming back so, to restoring the vote of the of everyday Americans in the corporate boardroom, we chatted about this Index Act, which is legislation which is pending in the Senate, whereby big managers like BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard would have to get the votes and the permission of their individual shareholders and their funds. Tell us a little bit about that and where that's going. Yeah, sure. So the, you know, Senator Sullivan, uh, I believe, is the one who introduced the legislation. There was a hearing about it earlier this week in the Senate Banking Committee. That's, you know, that, that's the stage where it's at right now. It's, it's had its first, you know, public hearing on it. And I think the senators who put this forward have incredibly good motivations and they recognize the same exact problem that we do. Mm-hmm. And, and so I laud them for seeing a problem that for so long, so many haven't. So that they, they deserve kudos for, for paying attention to what's happening in the capital markets and just how much it's corrupted. And, and again, they get the separation of ownership and ownership problem. The practicality of the bill, I'm not quite sure is there. So if you think about it, you know, the next time the guys at the firehouse get together and they're like, they're having a dinner, are they also going to talk about like the thousands of shareholder votes that are coming up in the next couple of weeks? I, I, I just don't think so. Like, so it, it's, there, there's a practicality element um, that, that seems to be missing in there. But again, for the U.S. Senate to take notice of this issue shows just how big of a problem it has become in the capital markets and the deleterious effect that the big three passive asset managers are having on those downstream companies that they're invested in. So mm-hmm. it's kudos to the, the folks on Capitol Hill who you know got together and are working on a solution towards this problem. We just think, and you know, it, as a conservative, personally, I would always prefer a market solution to a government top-down solution anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're engaged in. We're trying to solve the fiduciary problem uh, for BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard through competing in the marketplace. Now, Justin, what are the next steps as you build out Strive Asset Management? Where do you stand? Can can an individual investor invest their money with Strive Asset Management? So we are in our filing stages right now with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So there's only so much I can say at the moment, but I hope you'll have us, you know, me or Vivek back on in of course. the future to talk about. But what we can say right now is come to strivefunds.com, sign up to receive our alerts, receive our, our communications. There's a lot more information about, about the company on the website, but we can say this. It's very exciting. We anticipate launching our first product starting in the third quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're very excited. We, you know, we want to be a company that's around for a hundred years. We realize, you know, we've got a big boulder to push up like many mountain ranges, not just a little hill around the corner to achieve our goals, but we think they're worthwhile. And we think they're worthwhile for, for some, some of the reasons I've stated before, but just this idea that America is so fractured 
at every every conceivable level. And if you don't believe me, you know, just go to your next school board meeting in in in, in the community where you live and bring earplugs because you're probably going to need them. <laughs> um, and so we we just see the capital markets as an area where the body politics should be able to come back together. We currently have red coffee and blue coffee. We have red jeans and blue jean companies. And we just, we feel it strive that if we get to a point where we have red Major League Baseball and blue Major League Baseball, the, exper- the American experiment might be over at that point. Mm-hmm. We're just too far divided. We, we just can't, we can't bridge the gap. I mean, COVID obviously broke the divides even further. And so if we can get to a place where we can depoliticize the capital markets, that folks can engage in commerce, whether they're red, you know, red voter, blue voter, black, brown, white, gay, straight, where we can find this one nexus in society that we don't have to scream at each other. We just think that's great mm-hmm. for America. We think it's great for our culture. And so that's the culture we're trying to create in the in the capital market. So, Justin, in summary, for an investor who's been frustrated and skeptical of this stakeholder capitalism, frustrated by the the cynical hypocrisy of CEOs criticizing so much about America, but not saying anything about the Communist Party of China or or other dictatorial authoritarian regimes where potentially their companies might be able to make profits. So for investors who are frustrated with that hypocritical approach that we're seeing in American capitalism, Strive Asset Management offers a different approach. It's an approach of excellence in capitalism outlined in these five principles that Vivek has included in his book. And they're summarized in three simple words, excellence, Opportunity and civility will be your guidepost as you make investments, first-class investments, in U.S. companies. Our mission is to, using those principles, we believe we can restore the voice of everyday Americans in corporate America, where you know their voices are not heard, the votes go against their values. We just think if we focus on these core principles that's what we'll be able to achieve. Mm-hmm. And again, the depoliticized capital markets, we hope will dramatically shift American culture for the better. Well, Justin, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, do you have some closing thoughts for our listeners? And once again, please mention the website where listeners might be able to go and look and get a feel for Strive Asset Management, notwithstanding the fact that you're still in formation, but they can get a an early look-see, if you will, as regards the different approach that Strive Asset Management is going to have to managing our retirement assets, our wealth assets, and so on and so forth. Please come to strivefunds.com and sign up for our emails. That That's the best way to, to stay in touch with us. We're hiring like crazy right now, too, so feel free to look at the, <laughs> you know, the hiring page if you're interested. We're, we're be based out of Columbus, Ohio. We, we're going to restore the voice of everyday Americans. You can't do it from D.C. and you can't do it from Manhattan. We're going to do it from the heartland. I would say this. There is, again, there's deep cynicism in American society, and we at Strive get that. We just think there's also a space for hope, 
and opportunity and civility. And that's what we're hoping to achieve. And so I would tell your listeners, I understand your cynicism. Don't mire in it. Focus on the hope. Again, come to strivefunds.com, sign up, and I we're not going to be for everybody, but we think there's a lot of everyday Americans that are going to really enjoy our message. Well, Justin, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us today and telling us about this exciting new venture, Strive Asset Management, and very much looking forward to having you back on the show later in the year when you're up and running to give us an account of how the company is going to expand and prosper and grow. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And for my listeners, as we celebrate our second anniversary, today's episode is number 289. The San Francisco Experience is carried on 19 platforms, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, among others, with listeners in more than 50 countries and all 50 states. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, coming to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.